the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. And we are here thanking you for being along with us as well tonight, folks, for the Bible Live program. We are ready to continue our way through the books of First and Second Chronicles. Of course, we've already completed First Chronicles, and as I've mentioned to you lots of times, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, each of these were originally one book. They are only divided because of formatting when it came time to translate them from Hebrew into the Greek at the time of the writing of the Septuagint, uh, some 250 years or so before Christ. We have made our way through the Chronicles here, following the experiences of the kings of the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, what was popularly known as Judah, when the kingdom split following the reign of King Solomon. His son Rehoboam was foolish and hard-headed and would not let up on the taxation on the expansion of government uh, into the lives of the people there and just provoked uh, particularly the tribes of the north to break away from the union and under Jeroboam's leadership they did that now chronicles of course is a selected history as i've mentioned a number of times as well a selected history that Ezra the scribe uh, he is one of the leaders among the people of Israel that are returning around 14 to 16,000 of them returned in uh, two or three different groups that made the 900-mile trek from Babylon way to the east over the Fertile Crescent and down back into Israel. After their 70 years of exile under Cyrus the Great, they were allowed to come back. Ezra was one of these leaders, and he has written now this history of the kings of Judah. He is telling the story with emphasis, particular emphasis on the tribes of the south of Judah, following the kings that come from the lineage of King David. I'll give you a little more heads up on that as we come back to it. But right now, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment from the Psalms tonight on the Bible Live. Psalm 88. 
O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried out to you day and night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. For my life is full of troubles, and death draws near. I have been dismissed as one who is dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have abandoned me to death, and I am as good as dead. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrust me down to the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger lies heavy on me. Wave after wave engulfs me. You have caused my friends to loathe me. You have sent them all away. I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my pleading hands to you for mercy. Of what use to the dead are your miracles? Do the dead get up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? In the place of destruction, can they proclaim your faithfulness? Can the darkness speak of your miracles? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? O Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. O Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face away from me? I have been sickly and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have cut me off. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have encircled me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Only darkness remains. End of reading, Psalm 88. This is my desire Well, the writer of this psalm was close to death, obviously, because uh, we don't know why. Perhaps a a debilitating disease, forsaken by his friends, but he could still pray. One of the few prayers that doesn't give an answer, but we can still pray. And perhaps you're so afflicted as well. Uh, This song can be a prayer you can lift to God uh, on your behalf or the behalf of someone else. We'll be back right away. is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Lord, with all my heart, indeed, we come sincerely. We come uncompromisingly. That is the, the two big lessons I am gleaning from the big lessons now. There are lots of other little lessons <laughs> that I am gleaning from our read this year through the Chronicles, through the times of the kings of Judah. One of those is to be uncompromising in our pursuit of the Lord. To be uncompromising as we follow him, do not try to go halfies. Do not try to sit on the fence. Isn't that the whole lesson that we get from the Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the good men, king's men could not put Humpty back together again. And the lesson you learn is don't be sitting on the fence. 
Uh, it's it's a dangerous place to be. And we find that out, of course, as we read through the Chronicles, that you have to be uncompromising. You can't go halfies. You can't be trying to fit in with the world and get along with everybody like Jehoshaphat and others. Joash, he compromised. They try to get along. At a certain time, they're courageous and brave in following God, but then they give in to popularity. They give in to pressure that is put upon them, whether it's economic pressure, peer pressure, military pressure. There are pressures on them, and they give in to those, and they compromise their faith and their trust in the true and living God, and it always, always causes them complications and difficulties, and it always causes problems for the nation. The other lesson is, of course, go all the way to the end. Follow follow the Lord faithfully, uncompromisingly, but don't stop short. Finish well. Well, that's what we're going to read about tonight with Kings Jotham and then Ahaz, and then we come to the great King Hezekiah, the time of revival under Hezekiah, tonight on The Bible Life. Second Chronicles 27.1 through 30.27, Second Chronicles 27. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight just as his father Uzziah had done. But unlike him, Jotham did not enter the temple of the Lord. Nevertheless, the people continued in their corrupt ways. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate to the Lord's temple and also did extensive rebuilding on the wall at the hill of Ophel. He built towns in the hill country of Judah and constructed fortresses and towers in the wooded areas. Jotham waged war against the Ammonites and conquered them. For the next three years he received from them an annual tribute of 7,500 pounds of silver, 50,000 bushels of wheat, and 50,000 bushels of barley. King Jotham became powerful because he was careful to live in obedience to the Lord his God. The rest of the events of Jotham's reign, including his wars and other activities, are recorded in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. When he died, he was buried in the city of David, and his son Ahaz became the next king. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Chronicles 28 Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, as his ancestor David had done. Instead, he followed the example of the kings of Israel and cast images for the worship of Baal. He offered sacrifices in the valley of the son of Hinnom, even sacrificing his own sons in the fire. He imitated the detestable practices of the pagan nations whom the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the pagan shrines and on the hills and under every green tree. That is why the Lord his God allowed the king of Aram to defeat Ahaz and to exile large numbers of his people to Damascus. The armies of Israel also defeated Ahaz and inflicted many casualties on his army. In a single day, Pekah, son of Remaliah, Israel's king, killed 120,000 of Judah's troops because they had abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Then Zikri, a warrior from Ephraim, killed Maaseiah, the king's son, Azrikam, the king's palace commander, and Elkanah, the king's second-in-command. The armies of Israel captured 200,000 women and children from Judah and took tremendous amounts of plunder which they took back to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded was there in Samaria when the army of Israel returned home. He went out to meet them and said, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, was angry with Judah and let you defeat them. But you have gone too far, killing them without mercy, and all heaven is disturbed. 
And now you are planning to make slaves of these people from Judah and Jerusalem. What about your own sins against the Lord your God? Listen to me and return these captives you have taken, for they are your own relatives. Watch out, because now the Lord's fierce anger has been turned against you. Then some of the leaders of Israel, Azariah son of Jehohanan, Berechiah son of Meshilomoth, Jehizkiah son of Shalom, and Amasa son of Hadlai agreed with this and confronted the men returning from the battle. You must not bring the prisoners here, they declared. We cannot afford to add to our sins and guilt. Our guilt is already great, and the Lord's fierce anger is already turned against Israel. So the warriors released the prisoners and handed over the plunder in the sight of all the leaders and people. Then the four men mentioned by name came forward and distributed clothes from the plunder to the prisoners who were naked. They provided clothing and sandals to wear, gave them enough food and drink, and dressed their wounds with olive oil. They put those who were weak on donkeys and took all the prisoners back to their own land, to Jericho, the city of Palms. Then they returned to Samaria. About that time, King Ahaz of Judah asked the king of Assyria for help against his enemies. The armies of Edom had again invaded Judah and taken captives, and the Philistines had raided towns located in the foothills of Judah and in the Negev. They had already captured Beth Shemesh, Aijalon, Gederoth, Soko with its villages, Timna with its villages, and Gimzo with its villages, and the Philistines had occupied these towns. The Lord was humbling Judah because of King Ahaz of Judah, for he had encouraged his people to sin, and had been utterly unfaithful to the Lord. So when King Teglath-Pelesera of Assyria arrived, he oppressed King Ahaz instead of helping him. Ahaz took valuable items from the Lord's temple, the royal palace, and from the homes of his officials, and gave them to the king of Assyria as tribute. But even this did not help him. And when trouble came to King Ahaz, he became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him. For he said, These gods help the kings of Aram, so they will help me too, if I sacrifice to them. But instead, they led to his ruin, and the ruin of all Israel. The king took the utensils from the temple of God and broke them into pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple so that no one could worship there, and then set up altars to pagan gods in every corner of Jerusalem. He made pagan shrines in all the towns of Judah for offering sacrifices to other gods. In this way he aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of his ancestors. The rest of the events of Ahaz's reign and all his dealings, from beginning to end, are recorded in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. When King Ahaz died, he was buried in Jerusalem, but not in the royal cemetery. Then his son Hezekiah became the next king. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Chronicles 29 Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. In the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He summoned the priests and Levites to meet him at the courtyard east of the temple. He said to them, Listen to me, you Levites. Purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his temple. They turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors to the temple's foyer, and they snuffed out the lamps. They stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. He has made us an object of dread, horror, and ridicule, as you can so plainly see. 
Our fathers have been killed in battle, and our sons and daughters and wives are in captivity. But now I will make a covenant with the Lord the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My dear Levites, do not neglect your duties any longer. The Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to lead the people in worship and make offerings to him. Then these Levites got right to work, from the clan of Kohath, Mahath son of Amasai, and Joel son of Azariah. From the clan of Merari, Kish son of Abdi, and Azariah son of Jehalalel. From the clan of Gershon, Joah son of Zima, and Eden son of Joah. From the family of Elizaphan, Shimri and Jeiel. From the family of Asaph, Zechariah and Mataniah. From the family of Haman, Jehiel and Shimei. From the family of Jeduthun, Shimaiah and Uziel. These men called together their fellow Levites, and they purified themselves. Then they began to purify the temple of the Lord, just as the king had commanded. They were careful to follow all the Lord's instructions in their work. The priests went into the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord to cleanse it, and they took out to the temple courtyard all the defiled things they found. From there the Levites carted it all out to the Kidron Valley. The work began on a day in early spring, and in eight days they had reached the foyer of the Lord's temple. Then they purified the temple of the Lord itself, which took another eight days. So the entire task was completed in sixteen days. Then the Levites went to King Hezekiah and gave him this report. We have purified the temple of the Lord, the altar of burnt offerings with all its utensils, and the table of the bread of the presence with all its utensils. We have also recovered all the utensils taken by King Ahaz when he was unfaithful and closed the temple. They are now in front of the altar of the Lord, purified and ready for use. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials and went to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the temple, and for Judah. The king commanded the priests who were descendants of Aaron to sacrifice the animals on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bulls, and the priests took the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Next they killed the rams and sprinkled their blood on the altar. And finally they did the same with the lambs. The male goats for the sin offering were then brought before the king and the assembly of people, who laid their hands on them. The priests then killed the goats as a sin offering and sprinkled their blood on the altar to make atonement for the sins of all Israel. The king had specifically commanded that this burnt offering and sin offering should be made for all Israel. King Hezekiah then stationed the Levites at the temple of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres. He obeyed all the commands that the Lord had given to King David through Gad, the king's seer, and the prophet Nathan. The Levites then took their positions around the temple with the instruments of David, and the priests took their positions with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah ordered that the burnt offerings be placed on the altar. As the burnt offering was presented, songs of praise to the Lord were begun, accompanied by the trumpets and other instruments of David, king of Israel. The entire assembly worshipped the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpets blew, until all the burnt offerings were finished. Then the king and everyone with him bowed down in worship. King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the Psalms of David and Asaph the seer. So they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. Then Hezekiah declared, The dedication ceremony has come to an end. Now bring your sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the people brought their sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings, and those whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings too. The people brought to the Lord seventy bulls, one hundred rams, and two hundred lambs for burnt offerings. They also brought six hundred bulls and three thousand sheep as sacrifices. But there were too few priests to prepare all the burnt offerings. So their relatives, the Levites, helped them until the work was finished and until more priests had been purified. For the Levites had been more conscientious about purifying themselves than the priests, 
There was an abundance of burnt offerings along with the usual drink offerings and a great deal of fat from the many peace offerings. So the temple of the Lord was restored to service, and Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced greatly because of what God had done for the people, for everything had been accomplished so quickly. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Second Chronicles 30 King Hezekiah now sent word to all Israel and Judah, and he wrote letters of invitation to Ephraim and Manasseh. He asked everyone to come to the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. The king, his officials, and all the community of Jerusalem decided to celebrate Passover a month later than usual. They were unable to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests could be purified by then, and the people had not yet assembled at Jerusalem. This plan for keeping the Passover seemed right to the king and all the people, so they sent a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north, inviting everyone to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, the God of Israel. The people had not been celebrating it in great numbers as prescribed in the law. At the king's command, messengers were sent throughout Israel and Judah. They carried letters which said, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, so that he will return to the few of us who have survived the conquest of the Assyrian kings. Do not be like your ancestors and relatives who abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and became an object of derision, as you yourselves can see. Do not be stubborn as they were, but submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to his temple, which he has set apart as holy forever. Worship the Lord your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors, and they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. If you return to him, he will not continue to turn his face from you. The messengers went from town to town, throughout Ephraim and Manasseh, and as far as the territory of Zebulun. But most of the people just laughed at the messengers and made fun of them. However, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. At the same time, God's hand was on the people in the land of Judah, giving them a strong desire to unite in obeying the orders of the king and his officials, who were following the word of the Lord. And so a huge crowd assembled at Jerusalem in mid-spring to celebrate Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. They set to work and removed the pagan altars from Jerusalem. They took away all the incense altars and threw them into the Kidron Valley. On the appointed day in mid-spring, one month later than usual, the people slaughtered their Passover lambs. Then the priests and Levites became ashamed, so they purified themselves and brought burnt offerings to the temple of the Lord. They took their places at the temple according to the regulations found in the law of Moses, the man of God. The Levites brought the sacrificial blood to the priests, who then sprinkled it on the altar. Since many of the people there had not purified themselves, the Levites had to slaughter their Passover lambs for them, to set them apart for the Lord. Most of those who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves. But King Hezekiah prayed for them, and they were allowed to eat the Passover meal anyway, even though this was contrary to God's laws. For Hezekiah said, May the Lord who is good pardon those who decide to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even though they are not properly cleansed for the ceremony. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah's prayer and healed the people. So the people of Israel who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days with great joy. Each day the Levites and priests sang to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. Hezekiah encouraged the Levites for the skill they displayed as they served the Lord. So for seven days the celebration continued. 
peace offerings were sacrificed, and the people confessed their sins to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. The entire assembly then decided to continue the festival another seven days. So they celebrated joyfully for another week. King Hezekiah gave the people 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep for offerings, and the officials donated 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep. Meanwhile, many more priests purified themselves. The entire assembly of Judah rejoiced, including the priests, the Levites, all who came from the land of Israel, the foreigners who came to the festival, and all those who lived in Judah. There was great joy in the city, for Jerusalem had not seen a celebration like this one since the days of Solomon, King David's son. Then the Levitical priests stood and blessed the people, and God heard them from His holy dwelling in heaven. End of reading, Second Chronicles 27, 1 through 30, 27. Yes, living, dying, let me be. about Hezekiah. We've gotten into his life tonight here in chapter 29. He is the king during the time of one of the eight great revivals of the Old Testament. Eight great revivals where people in great numbers turned to God and gave up their sinful ways of living. Each of these revivals was characterized by a leader, someone that God used to either trigger and lead the people or respond to the people as they have wanted to move back toward God. We talked about that the other night, the dynamic between leader and people. For example, Uzziah basically was to some degree a good king. Remember, King Uzziah is the one in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Uzziah also is Azariah. It's just two different versions of the same name. It was a good king, but the people, it says, continued in their corrupt ways. Why? There were economic pressures, military pressures coming to bear. And then, of course, there were the religious pressures. These false gods of Asherah and Baal and Moloch and these idols, religious practices that were so sensual and so much more fun than being challenged to live godly, righteous lives. It's not a cakewalk to believe in the God of the Bible. It's a great challenge to be a godly man or a godly woman. As many of you know, I'm a great admirer and a great, oh, you might say in a sense, a disciple or appreciator of C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis, a great British believer from the last century. One of my favorite quotes that he has given to us concerning suffering and times of difficulty is that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he yells to us in our pain. That's to some degree what we see, both in our psalm tonight about difficulty and pain and suffering and fear, times of difficulty in our lives. God can speak into us. He can reach us. Remember, it's not all about doing well in this life. It's about an eternal walk with Him. And then we see that God spoke to the nation of Israel in times of difficulty. Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. 
You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. 